So, what did you have for lunch, and how is that a metaphor for the state of Britain right now? <laughs> we aptly, aptly, I had a Greg sandwich. Ah, <laughs> uh, you see? Jonathan Price could do all sorts of things with that. It's all I could afford. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it just keeps compiling. This is now a poignant metaphor. Probably could have afforded something more expensive, but I could, it's all I could be fucked doing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, this, is the, this is the way, you see. The reason I eat terrible food is because of class uh, inequality it's class it's all class that's it's all it is. all entirely out of my control that's yeah. why it's not I'm my fault this cheeseburger <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of truth in there but also i am using excuses <laughs> i do also have donuts in the fridge so that's nice oh that's pretty good and that's a metaphor Dessert. for the potential of this country <laughs> how hopes, america hopes. is taking over all of oh our yeah culture. that too <laughs> <laughs> that's true everyone and welcome to 2024 a leap year the oh year the year of the paris olympics and paralympics cop 29 a total solar eclipse the final year of the synod of synodality which may well see the catholic church being dragged into the 20th century Ooh. at long last uh the biggest global election year in history including an historical female ballot in mexico and june 2 is going to come out so that's why i'll be Yay! I saw an advert for that. (laughs) Love that. Uh, Starting off this year on the podcast, I have entrusted everything to a friend of the podcast, Helen Gaffney. Hello. Hello. (laughs) That was foolish trust of yours. Why did you do that? I regret nothing. You're out of your mind. (laughs) I feel like the choice to do so is more emblematic of this podcast than anything that may come from it. (laughs) The choice of this film is emblematic of a lot of things, I think. My I... sanity and lack thereof. <laughs> I cannot wait to fucking get into this. Helen has suggested that we look back 40 years to 1983, <laughs> a time exactly like now. Uh, and we are watching The Plowman's Lunch and also eating that right now. Mm. <laughs> Yum. James Penfield's world, to succeed is everything, and conquest is pursued at any cost. It is a world in which history has become a commodity, and in which distorting the truth is part of the process. It was in the House of Commons that the government's decision was announced following Israel's advance into Egypt. It is a world in which the opportunist gets everything he wants, except the unattainable woman. And on the not path, Lots of a world of ambition at the expense of principle. Two or three years ago, I would have stayed and fucked you. It's my luck. Too late. The spirit of the South Atlantic was the spirit of Britain at her best. Jonathan Price, Tim Curry, Rosemary Harris, and Frank Finlay, with Charlie Dore in The Plowman's Lunch. 
This hard-to-find film is based on an original screenplay by Ian McEwan. Seemingly the second time his work has appeared on the screen, he previously worked with the same director on the television production of The Imitation Game. That's nothing to do Ooh. with Mr. Cumberbatch or his stuff. Uh, McEwan was at this early stage in his career known for gothic stories, and so is often nicknamed in this period Ian Macabre, which looks better on paper than said out loud. <laughs> Facts. I think it's fair to say that it's the late 90s and early noughties where he really became a household name, thanks to winning the Booker Prize for Amsterdam and for the novels and ap- adaptations of Enduring Love and Atonement. What's that? If you want to see Daniel Craig get freaky with Reese Siffins, I forget. I think that's what happens. Question mark. Big, big question mark in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've seen it. I just, my brain is like, I remember it's, it starts I remember with it being a really... Sad. It's sad and it starts with a really horrific balloon accident. Enduring uh, Love. Oh, is this Enduring Love? I'm thinking of Atonement. <laughs> oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen Atonement. The only oh, thing I know God. from that is the amazing uh, Dunkirk panning shot. Yeah, and there's like yeah. the cl- there's a clicking noise bit that's a Ooh. typewriter sound and it's quite entertaining. <gasps> well, that leads back to this. We have yeah. many clicking things. That must be an, a McEwen signature, is clicking sounds. Be. Just friggin' loves clicking sounds, that <laughs> man. Him or the director, because this film is directed by Richard Eyer. Uh, a theatre and opera director by trade, well respected for a dynamic mounting of guys and dolls at the National Theatre before this, uh, but he would eventually become the director of the National Theatre between 1987 and 1997. And he directed and produced various episodes of the BBC's Play for Today in the 70s. Um, his first film adaptation, I went in too much detail here, his first <laughs> TV drama adaptation was Chekhov's The Cherry um, Orchard with Judy Dench as Madame Renevsky. And then he works with Dench a whole bunch more times in Iris, Notes on the Scandal, that kind of thing. And he also makes the Children Act later on, so he works with McEwen again. All I, <sighs> is it all I can, Sorry, all I can think of now is Guys and Dolls. Because, you know, <laughs> yeah. that bit in The Simpsons, Guys and yeah. Dolls. Well, just a bunch of quiz, that's all that's going in my head. I, I didn't listen to any of that. <laughs> I was absolutely thrilled at uh, Widescreen Weekend to actually see the 1950s movie version of Guys and Dolls and oh, thought to myself, good. no longer will I think that Guys and Dolls is, is a song from song. Guys. Still yeah. the main one I go for. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can think now. <laughs> I'm that, or there's a song um, <laughs> the song about horse racing, but I just remember the Lin-Manuel Miranda parody lyrics of it, because he wrote one called Dead Horse, Uh-oh. which is similar lyrics. I got the horse right here, his name is Paul Revere, and it's the ghost of the horse that died last year. Ghost horse. What ghost horse. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> that's, so, yeah, guys, are oh, still... Oh, you crazy guy. <laughs> I'm still no closer to fucking actually remembering a song from Guys and Dolls, damn it. I think there's one about craps, isn't there? Is there one about craps? Well, I, I mean, like the famous one The famous one is Luck Be a Lady Tonight. Oh, okay, which yeah, of course. There's also Luke Be a Jedi Tonight, so... Oh. Simpsons eats Parodies everything. Parodies all over the place. Like time. Sim- the Simpsons is like time. It eats everything. <laughs> the inevitable downfall of the universe will end with, like, a Simpsons quote, no doubt. I'm, I'm certain of that. There will, there will be a reference to the Simpsons in the end of the world, I'm sure of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the film was apparently critically lauded on its first release, receiving the Evening Standard Award for Best Film. Take that, Gandhi. <laughs> Jeff Andrew at Time Out, and I'm sorry to read his full review, but you will see why, I think, said... Ian McEwan must have whooped for joy when the Falklands War erupted, transforming his script from an examination of the Suez Affair into a much spicier story of shabby English values set during the Falklands Crisis, but filtered through the perspective of Suez. Sadly, the resulting film veers wildly in quality, and fails to cast much illumination on either past or present. Hmm. Very, uh, considered so far. 
Price turns in a creepingly accurate performance as an ambitious BBC newsroom hack who is commissioned to write a book about Suez while the Falklands War is in progress. But much of the film is concerned with his pursuit of a rich bitch, Dory, whom he fancies <laughs> precisely because she is literally out of his class. <laughs> a rich bitch. A it? rich bitch, says Time Out. <laughs> Best rich bitch movie of the year. <laughs> Now, I think the best rich bitch of 2023 uh, might have been Jacob Elordi. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a sort of after title, let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, the public also had reservations for lunch. <laughs> uh, Gold Green at IMDb said, a dog's dinner rather than a plowman's lunch. I'd <laughs> okay. make fun, but I just did one as well, so I'm as bad as this Gold Green. <laughs> with a few changes this film could have been up there with performance and brief encounter instead of an obscure curio of british cinema picking those two movies out as being amongst the elect of british <laughs> filmmaking is like saying of an american film oh if this had been better it could have been like casablanca or hair <laughs> <laughs> an odd choice to be sure <laughs> an odd choice but i'm kind of here for it <laughs> oh tell you what though wasn't just public and critics who had something to say about the plowman's lunch though Ruth uh, Baumgarten writes in God is Not a Film Director for City Limits in 1983, Michael Powell is still at odds with British film culture. He dutifully went to see The Plowman's Lunch and didn't like it, despite Jonathan Price's rare ability to stand still in front of a camera. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking facts, mate. Fucking yes. facts. Yes, Michael Powell. <laughs> <laughs> you go, girl. <laughs> <laughs> If only more people had said that to him whilst he was alive. <laughs> oh, God. The film has 41% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.2 on IMDb, and that's all I've got. So, Helen, you <laughs> d- decent and loving friend. <laughs> <laughs> Which does, I assume, mean in the context of this film that you will eventually get off with the woman I'm trying to get with. Almost certainly. I mean, look at me. I'm just like, <laughs> I mean, it's what I'm made for. <laughs> I mean, if Tim Curry's around, you know. You you can't keep a woman with Tim Curry around. It's crazy. <laughs> You're out of your mind. Mm. What was, what was, <laughs> what's the question? <laughs> what, what, why? <laughs> why the plowman's lunch? <laughs> I love you didn't even do like a like a pithy thing. You're just like, why are you doing this now? Helen, explain yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so, as ever, the reason why I picked this film is unhinged and has no right uh-huh, to be I here. Expected. So Let's uh, just quickly uh, survey the previous ones. We had... Um, the first uh, one was Banzai? What was the um, first one again? The first one was Devil, and that was ah, yes. I fucking thought it was this time there. last year. Yeah, well, fucking hell, happy anniversary, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Devil was a that was a reasonable one, and then I just uh-huh. went off kilter after that. Yeah, um, Buckaroo Banzai. With Buckaroo Banzai was... Which was a recommendation from your boss? It wasn't a recommendation so much. Ah. He showed me a video and I was like, that <laughs> looks like a thing I want to watch. And um, Black, Black Sheep, Sheep was an overheard conversation That's in right. a pub. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and that brings us to Plowman's Lunch. Mm-hmm. So Plowman's Lunch, the reason is because we, uh, as ever in my family, I was having a weird-ass conversation with my dad and Craig. And... Um, we were talking about Plowman's lunch. Can't remember why. As the food, uh-huh. uh, and Craig was like, "What's what the fuck is Plowman's lunch?" And we were like, "I'll oh, just look it up." And he looked it up on Wikipedia. Went down oh, the no. <laughs> went down the article. And my dad was like, um, "Oh, I think Plowman's lunch is one of those fallacies. It well, it's not an actual, you know, uh, legitimate English thing. It was made up by you know executives, whatever." He said yeah. basically the quote from the film. Right. And Craig was like, "Oh no, that seems to be a fallacy." 
um, born by this film that <laughs> here is a thing. And I was like, oh, that's weird. There's a film called The Plumber's Lunch. So I looked at the film called The Plumber's Lunch. So it had Tim Curry in it. I was like, well, sold. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely outstanding. <laughs> There's just no reason for it. It just it just happened, I'm afraid, as they ever do. Uh, I will I will never recommend anything that makes any sense, and I'm sorry. I love that approach. I really love that approach. For my part, I'm in the middle of writing a fairly hardcore and intense essay, which has, has seen me undertake a lot of very studious and sort of very dedicated research. I was looking forward to something a little silly for uh, the podcast. I was only 10 years old at the time, but it's the first international crisis I can remember. It's obviously a key point in our recent history. Well, the key point. And I've always thought that sooner or later we would have to re-examine Suez in the light of subsequent events. And now, suddenly, with all this Falklands business upon us, it's become clear that we do need to take another look at 56. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for your loss. It's fine. If I can't handle you at your plowman's lunch, I don't deserve you at your devil. <laughs> or my Buckaroo Banzai, even. Like, or your Buckaroo a, Banzai. That was an insane film. Great vehicle. Anything in there? Very could be. Keep an eye on it. Okay. I'm just thinking aloud. Uh, I mean, fuck me. This is a dour ass film. It's it? <laughs> <laughs> it a little bleak, but that's that's McEwen all over. But hey, yeah, it's McEwenial. McEwenial. With I don't even think McEwenial applies here. Nevertheless, let's get into. <laughs> it's very not McEwenial. It's one note. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, it. that's all you're getting. Well, that's the, whole the opposite. Time. Things are either McEwenial or McEwenial. <laughs> McEwenial. <laughs> Actually, I have a newfound respect for Ian McCub <laughs> as a nickname. It's harder to make a nickname out it's, of it, yeah. I think. Uh, it's like the pun titles in magazines. So there's a whole team dedicated to that, you know. So it's I'm really hoping you've come up with the same nickname for Jonathan Price as I did. I was calling him Jonathan Price. What have you got? <laughs> John Oliver? John Oliver's good. <laughs> I like John Oliver. Because that's what he fucking looks like the entire fucking film. <laughs> He looks like a depressed, ponderous John Oliver. Oh God, I didn't. You know, I didn't even get into that because have you seen Brazil? Uh, I've, I think I watched it and I forgot about it because I was too. It depressed me too much. No, it's it, too yeah, sad. it is. That Locked seems to be out. the projects that kind of pull Price in are the depressing ones. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh God. Okay. Well, let's get into Brazil without the whimsy because we start in a busy office, gloriously bespectacled, uh, bespectacled uh, Jonathan Price, i.e. Uh, John Oliver, and he's doing some intense journalising, uh, ensuring that everybody's doing their good radio voices. That's his main job. And uh, he goes home and has a go at brokering a lady introduction from his pal, Tim Curry. Nice. Never get never get a, an introduction from Tim Curry. Full, <laughs> full gold is what that is. <laughs> but once you know Tim Curry, what do you need introductions for? You know Tim Curry. <laughs> That's true, he's there already. You don't need anything else at that point. I don't care if you're gay or not. <laughs> My dear James, so is inflation or interest rate to the early, to the early. <laughs> we meet his love interest at this stage who enters a party, and her first thing I've just remembered is to walk into a guy holding a, a tray of drinks. Oh, the imp- I, I, and then I write down, oh, a clumsy love interest has shown up. No, 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 that's just not an, an aspect of her. Yeah, just, just an asshole. An asshole. <laughs> Maybe that's it. She did it on purpose because she's yeah. a dick. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I'd like to think that's true. 
She shows up and is relatively charming in her first appearance, but Tim Curry is smiling, so I can't see much else that's in the frame. No. <laughs> Never. When he's in the frame, that's all I'm looking at. Especially in a particular scene, which I'll point out when we get to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So the next morning, having dreamt of this lady and hopefully Tim Curry, he's late for work, which is a travesty because there's a very dynamic meeting being had. <laughs> but then that's work, Just isn't it? Just a hundred men in a tiny room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's work, isn't it? Rushing in order to be bored. Happy New Year. <laughs> oh god the reputation of Britain is about to be challenged by the invasion of the Falkland Islands but Price is obsessed with the last time Britain's international pride was challenged successfully Suez so he wants to write about that and his line is that Empire was ultimately based on an ideal albeit an outdated one not too outdated looking around at the moment <laughs> colonialism when did it go out of fashion <laughs> today <laughs> I think you'll find some people are still wearing it well uh <laughs> But, but it was worth trying to get some national pride out of it. But Falcons is an opportunity to have a war without the Americans. Yay, nationalism. So much to offer. We could do our own wars. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> right, to be fair, the Americans have gotten us into some pretty shit ones. Yeah, I mean, look, if I'm going to choose a friend to go have a fight with, it's the Canadians or the New Zealanders or the Australians. <laughs> America, can we pick the war next time? <laughs> it's our turn. You'll, you'll like the next one, honest. Ah, really? <laughs> Don't say Russia. Don't say Russia. Don't say Russia. Oh, fuck. We wouldn't be Russia. <laughs> <laughs> fuck that uh, uh, 2024, everyone. There's a lot to look forward to. <laughs> so he goes and visits his parents in his 1930s suburban housing, uh, social housing house, which I recognize because it's exactly the same as my grandmother's. <laughs> It was a good time to get social housing. Don't do it in the 60s. Yep. And yeah, has an interaction with his ailing mum. And I wonder why I knew she was about to be introduced as ailing before we see her. And then I realised it's because the husband was making the tea. So am I the problem or am I just aware <laughs> of the tropes of the time? No, you just knew the 80s. I You're just like, knew the I 80s. I know the 80s. I know what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, the husband's <laughs> making the tea. She's on her last legs. She can't, she, she'd still be making the tea if she had anything left in her. <laughs> yeah. yeah, paralyzed from the waist down is definitely the vibe I immediately got when he walked in and found him with an apron on. <laughs> Oh Jesus! So yeah, he oh. takes he takes his pragmatic girlfriend to the Barbican. Do we have a nickname for her, by the way? Oh, I think I eventually landed on Maggie Gyllenhaal. Yeah, she's got like a weird, like not quite attractive, but vaguely attractive <laughs> vibe. I found her mum much hotter. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't we all? So yes, he takes he takes Maggie Gyllenhaal to the Barbican for what I imagine is a really fun Tory night out of not Woo! enjoying art, moaning about work, and invalidating feelings. <laughs> I think you're exaggerating. Oh. If you aren't, you should jolly well change your job. Oh, yes. Yes. You're much too old to be making a drama out of alienation or whatever you want to call it. You've got to take responsibility for your own happiness. I love you, Tory wife. (laughs) Yeah. Never he has marry another... a Tory. Fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> Bleakest possible reality. So he has another sad scene with his girlfriend and then, what well, would-be girlfriend, and then encounters Tim Curry again. Hey. And Tim Curry's got a bit of an idea. <laughs> He's got a scheme. Oh, God. The sentence <laughs> The sentence is troubling. Can I say it? <laughs> it's obvious what you've got to do. The way into the daughter's pants was through the mother. Up the Suez Canal. You're so gross. <laughs> Why did 
Tim, why? Why, Tim? We love why? you so much. Why would you say those words? Why, Ian McEwen? You're a national treasure. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Never let anyone say the Tories of this film are the good guys. So before that, <laughs> Price goes up to a university and has a choice of lots of people with nothing to do to ask for directions to this guy's office, but instead chooses some guys playing an arcade game. So just so you can make some sort of vague point about disaffected youth, I imagine. Asteroids is brilliant. I, Asteroids not is brilliant. disaffected if you're playing Asteroids. Oh, but you, you know what? These young people, I broke into their house and suggested a picnic, but they all just hopelessly addicted to their phones, mainly calling the police. <laughs> you're on their oh, turf, leave Kids alone. today. <laughs> uh, he continues to struggle to get laid. And I love that this fairly dour film about British national identity is gaining the plot of a naughty sex comedy <laughs> as we go on. I was about to say something and now I can't remember. Is it coupling? Is that what it was called? Oh, yes. Yes, it, yes, I do remember that. It's, it's those vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't get her to put out, Skeeter. So, <laughs> as Why wouldn't you fuck me? Sorry. <laughs> exactly. It just, it's so bothersome. And in, in many ways pertains to Suez, I imagine. I'm clearly a 36-year-old, 50-year-old. Why wouldn't she fuck this hunk of meat? <laughs> <laughs> this hot Jennifer, Jonathan Price energy. <laughs> oh, God. Well, as a duo, they piss off some people. That's a, a length of the movie for a bit, as they just go around pissing people off. Seemingly un- un- irrelevant to the plot. Like, yeah. initially, I really thought the woman who asked the very earnest question at the poetry reading was going to be the mum and that this was their way of getting in. No, just a random woman they went to laugh at. Just some lady they were just cackling at in the back row, fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But yes, finally, Price goes to meet the mum under the guise of discussing the Suez Canal. But also, I would like to have some sex with your daughter, please. Please Wait a second. Just before this scene, they are are playing racquetball and Tim Curry in them tiny shorts, though. Let's just say for one, I I don't know what anything happened in that scene. I was not paying attention to the dialogue. Focused on the crotch, I'm afraid. You were the lucky one. (laughs) Carry on, I apologise. I optimistically write that I think the direction this movie is going in is that she's going to indoctrinate him into socialism over a series of strolls across the Norfolk Broads because that would do it for me. Yeah, I mean, you know. Bracing air, Way beautiful to get scenery. Into my pants. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or my daughter's pants. <laughs> I guess. I can forget which way round is this. <laughs> and then he drives away and has a flat tyre, so he has to interact with some horrific hippies at a peace camp. And, uh, oh. It's all getting a bit lefty for me. Luckily, there's plenty more cynical wandering around exclusive spaces later on to do, so... (laughs) He torpedoes the chance at coverage for them, like a true... patriot. Like a true hero. A British hero. (laughs) I love how how many of these things I thought, well, this is a bit obvious for planting in a sort of redemption story. No, no. No, no, it's not going to take it. 100% not. He doesn't need redeeming, he's just a fucking asshole the entire time. (laughs) Those women are the only ones I would get on with in this film. <laughs> I just want yeah. to put that out. Oh, they, yeah, their piece little thing looks great. Yeah, um, it's great. Cups of tea. Oh, he's late for work again. Oh, wait, is it a date? A Tim Curry experience? It's all three. That's the privilege <laughs> he has. He can do all yes! three. <laughs> <laughs> he tries to make out of her a little bit after some uh, newsreel screenings, but the Suez crisis doesn't seem to do it for her, so it doesn't work. And... God, at this stage, we all end up at the mum's house, where things get a bit saucy, by which I mean there Ooh. are some lengthy monologues over the dinner table. But um, after that, he also goes on a walk with the mum, and she's into, she is actually into socialist takes on history, or at least being able to express them without anyone being openly hostile towards her, so she gives <laughs> him a kiss. 
nice. Whoops. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Who thought there'd be a flaw to this plan of his? <laughs> <laughs> what? The mother is also attracted? <laughs> damn. Damn my relentless Jonathan Price energy. She's clearly so, yes. rich. I mean, fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. What are you, what are you into, What's into your this problem for? here? <laughs> well, I don't know what your direct your direction is here. So <laughs> why not? So they do, they actually have it off that night. So yeah. But later on, he gets some time with the dad, who's an ad man from the city, who explains the title. Uh, they have a truly awful looking lunch together. It does look really shit, doesn't it? So bad that packaged cheese, the prepackaged cheese and and chutney and like the little the little oh, the, sad roll. Yeah, the chutney just smeared on the side of the plate and the white big bloomer kind of thing that looks Ugh. so chewy. Worst plowman's lunch ever. Could they not oh have found God. at least one that was passable for the for the fucking film? Jesus well, Christ. if the thing is meant to be a big analogy for British society, they might have gone out of their way to find a disappointingly shit and That's one. true, actually. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, this, uh, this food we're eating now, what, what would you call that? Plowman's lunch. Plowman's lunch. Traditional English fare. In fact, it's the invention of an advertising campaign we ran in the early 60s to encourage people to eat in pubs. You're kidding. But it turns out he's not interested in uh, d- brokering his uh, a relation- sex with his daughter, but rather his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Let's discuss terms. I want to have use of my wife on the weekends, so if you can keep <laughs> it to weekdays. Like... I don't know, the impression uh, I got was, you can fuck my wife, I can't be arsed. Yeah. <laughs> You know, a was... gentleman's priority. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten terribly into cricket. Yeah, he, and Price is upset because re- really, I was more I was more interested in getting off with your daughter as well. Can I do both? <laughs> Can I do both? Is that an option? That... <laughs> Can I put that on the table as a possible? <laughs> Don't you think you're taking on a bit much? Oh, typical mm, me. Well, uh, I've, I've got, got to carry of... on the back boiler. <laughs> I've got a lot of wandering around and looking dour in various places to do. I guess so. Maybe I don't have time. <laughs> oh God! Our, our heroes go out for a nice day out at the Tory Party conference. Thatcher a one man now. Fucking hell! <laughs> that I was. I'm on. If I'm being honest with you, I was jump scared by two things in this film. I was jump scared by the, the inclusion of Aunt May from fucking Spider Man. What? Where, where was she? She's the mother. Oh my god! <laughs> Just like, like connections in your brain now. Oh my and god! I was jump scared by Maggie Thatcher, which is something I don't want to happen on any day. <laughs> god, and everyone thought Marissa Tomei was the hot Aunt May. <laughs> I mean, like, shows what they know. Yeah, check out the plan was lunch. So, yes. Oh no, though. It turns out Curry's getting off with Maggie Gyllenhaal. Well, now this Margaret Thatcher speech is just depressing. Yeah, I mean, look, I was having a great time before this, but now this is just sad. <laughs> well, now his relationship with Gyllenhaal is off the table and he's blown off the mum, so to speak. So did his character have another thing? Not principles, obviously. Oh, Suez, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so he, he does a montage and finishes the book and manages <laughs> to sell it. Why can't I do that in a montage? That'd be nice, wouldn't it? 20 minutes, you're done. Yeah, just click, 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 and then you're in. <laughs> Oh, his mum's dead. Well, that's annoying. Well, yeah. Uh, can I can I read what I wrote as my last sentence? <laughs> yes, if it's followed by mine. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Tim Curry's Tim Curry always going to come in and steal your girl while Thatcher talks as well. Could not imagine a worse outcome. <laughs> Jesus, checking your watch at your mum's funeral. What a dick. <laughs> yeah, my final line is: Oh, his mum dies. Annoying that. The end. He's still a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> our, our summations of the end of the film were very similar. <laughs> I think we had similar reactions to said film. So how did you... Find, I, I'm still in awe of the fact that you knew so little about this when it came upon us. That's amazing. Look, I... I love it so much. I, I'm nothing if not a chaotic influence upon any, anyone. Like, Absolutely I think fabulous. my dad did say he thought he'd seen this film. My mum said that too. Right. I think this is a film that came out in 1983, and if you were around at that point, you, you may have seen it, it. but yeah. you probably don't remember it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah, it's. Um... Yeah. <laughs> it. I thought it was. I th- I I didn't hate it, and actually, right. I started getting into it towards the end. I think. Okay. Yes. Yes, um, I did too, as it's more um, eccentric plot. I don't know, I was kind of into it at the beginning because I enjoyed the sort of slice-of-life nature of it. Yeah. And a lot of my early quickfires were just, ooh, London in the 80s kind of It felt of thing. like a time capsule, didn't it? Like It, it really, certainly did. Like an and old, it was interesting. All the little um, uh, secretaries typing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're just replaced with computers now. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The typing pool has very yeah. much uh, dried up. Definitely. I don't know. It felt like a very much a writer's film, both structurally, it felt like, in particular, it felt like a novelist's yeah. film, yeah. because it had that kind of strange structure of a novel, episodes, yeah. uh, stories sort of weaving in and out. And a lot of like downtime as well, because like, and yes. I don't know whether this is a feature of the era as well, to some mm. extent, because I've seen films around this time period, and it's it does feel like sometimes they're like, well... You'll watch anything, so we'll just put a big old blank bit where he's just walking through some grass, you know? Like, it does, you know, in films now, it's like hard cut something, hard cut something, hard cut something. Yeah. But a while ago, there's a lot more sort of breathing room, I feel. Yeah, and I do like, uh, I like the pacing of it for the most part, but it is, it is also very dialogue driven. Mm. In particular, very monologue driven from these main characters. But I will say, I did find Price's character interesting. Because to some extent, he feels a bit like a novel's main character, which is to say a bit passive and uninteresting and just an avatar for the reader to sort of get into this world. Yeah. But there is something going on with him. He is coldly detached. Yeah. Almost almost like a Patrick Bateman type. He's just kind yeah. of going through the motions of an 80s society. It wouldn't be and... that surprising if he killed someone at some point. Yeah. He wouldn't yeah. care, I feel like. He's just, like, he well... seems to be utterly without value at values. Yeah. You know, and there are moments where he has little stirrings of moments when, you know, he might get invested and there's plenty of opportunities for him to do so, but he just doesn't care. Well, the interesting thing, like, you can see that really obviously because, like, when they, when he talks to the publisher, he's mm. like, are you a socialist? He says, no. And yeah. then when he talks to the mum, she's like, are you a socialist? He's like, yes. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> just has no, and there's no, there's no pause or, like, a thought yeah. in it. He just says what he needs to say at any given moment, you know? That's it. I don't think, I don't disbelieve either. I don't believe that, you know, he is or is not a socialist. I just don't yeah. think that's on his radar. He just, just is aware of what the useful thing to say is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. But he does, he, what's his um opinion of the art gallery again? Because he comes away and he, no, it's not an art gallery, sorry. It's a performance mm. where he liked it, but she didn't. But he's quite vague on it. He's just like, oh, oh I, I he think was I wrote good. it down. 
Uh, oh no, she said, I thought it went on rather too long. <laughs> and that's all I've written down. There's self-awareness there. That. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking that. I was thinking, God, it's ominous to talk about a film during a film because you know they're talking about the film you're watching. Oh God. I, can, I think she, uh, yeah, he was like, oh, I quite liked him. And she was like, oh no, he's a fucking dickhead or whatever. I don't know. Oh, that's good actually. Yeah. That, you're right. That is what they say. And that's quite good as self-awareness goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the film knew what it was, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> I didn't like that man. I thought he was wonderful. Well, McEwen wanted to make a film about contemporary society as he saw it, and he certainly achieved that up to a point, mm. but it's a very establishment perspective. Yeah, it's um, very cynical. Very cynical. It's an interesting snapshot of very privileged observers, because the fact is, all of these people can afford not to care about anything. It doesn't yeah. affect them. You know, they've all escaped the sort of, you know, uh, necessity of making money and economic drivers. You know, they're all just comfortably, passively observing society. And it's a fairly damning portrait of their of them, I think. Yeah, it's it's a satire, most certainly, but it does also make for a rather unpleasant watch because you are still just with them. Yeah, you have to be with them that entire time. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I don't know. I think of like something like Archipelago, which is Joanna Hogg's skewering of like middle class, um, vague politeness, upper middle class sort of um, manners and such, and there is still affection there. And a, and a kind of love for the characters I'm not sure I got a cry got from this it seems like just everyone's a prick and they wanted everyone's everyone to all. know that Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes across like someone who's been to too many fancy dinner parties has written this yeah. presumably Ian McEwen um, <laughs> and is just like no fuck all of these people are all awful and I hate them <laughs> I did, one thing I did like about it is I am quite sick of like movies about privileged characters who choose to give up their privilege you know they yeah. They, they see some suffering or they have a run-in or they fall in love with someone who has different ideals. And it's like, you're right, I never thought about it that way. I'm going to be a good guy from now on. And it's like, well, it's nice you had the privilege to choose to do that. Yeah. You know, I guess when we put you up against the wall, we'll use one of the soft bullets as a well done. You know, it's just, <laughs> I always just want them to be torn out of their little comfort zones. And it's like, no, it's too late. <laughs> you should have thought of that when everything was easy. Um, but for this, to this movie's credit, he doesn't get redeemed. No. He doesn't choose. And it's like, yeah. They wouldn't. They don't. That's why the world is what it is. They don't choose to suddenly grow a conscience. Once you're comfortable, (laughs) you're gonna fucking do everything to fucking stay in that position, you know? Absolutely. A a fact of fucking arseholes. The facts of life. The facts of twats. (laughs) (laughs) And I too, when I am a landowner, will fuck everyone else. Yes! Absolutely. I can't wait till you have surfs. (laughs) They show up, you know, like mice. You just look out the window one morning and someone's... Someone's tilling the, the soil, and you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking get out of here, you serfs. <laughs> Some God, surf help poison. Me if they have a, God help me if they ever learn to read. <laughs> then they'll unionise, and I'll be in trouble. <laughs> Fucking unionising. God damn it. <laughs> damn it. I hate those unions. <laughs> God bless the 1980s. <laughs> and let's celebrate the 1980s further by quick-firing this film. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Quickfire. Okay, so I mean, I feel like my first quickfire is Tim. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> I wrote it in all caps. I mean, just any moment you see Tim Curry in a film <laughs> is a moment not wasted. A like, moment you cherished. A moment I've had a nice time. <laughs> and he's playing an irredeemable asshole in this. And yet, oh, yeah. 
And yet, I still find him incredibly charming and want I yeah. want to be around him. And it, like, I, that's a magic that Tim, only Tim Curry can <laughs> achieve, I think. Well, <laughs> you know, the Sight and Sound article I was reading, the review, and the I think it was in the monthly film bulletin. It it pointed out, no, it was Sight and Sound. Um, it pointed out that um, he's an update of the dandy archetype. Yeah, which is a very curious archetype because yes, he's a bit of a dandy and he's a bit feminine and you know all the rest of it, but he does also get the girl. Yeah, <laughs> that's a curious like male anxiety it feels like to have played into there that w- w- your women are going to get off with you that with their gay best friends at some point because they <laughs> have a level of intimacy and familiarity that you as a heterosexual boring man are not going to be able to oh, participate god, in god forbid you bring in the bisexuals you're just absolutely <laughs> fucked then <laughs> yeah well literally hopefully <laughs> <laughs> then Always. it's not an issue if these guys were bisexual oh, jonathan price would never be bisexual Look at no this. Have you seen his face? <laughs> Have you seen his way of life? Have you seen his haircut? It's <laughs> the least bisexual haircut I've ever seen. <laughs> the most heteronormative haircut you've ever seen on a man. It genuinely is, actually. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's the way the little bits of hair stick out at the side. It's just oh, God. It's incredibly heteronormative. Uh, and I'm disturbed by it. <laughs> uh, rightly so. Um, I really enjoyed the, the look of the film and also like 1980s Brixton and the flat. Mm-hmm. that they're in was a very attractive kind of thing and yeah there's um m- moments in the tube for example it's just yeah little sights and impressions of london at the time were were very nice yeah definitely yeah i quite like the tube scene as well just because it yeah. felt very familiar i was like oh okay it's not <laughs> not changed then all right yeah uh- <laughs> <laughs> shit um can i just say one of the lines that tim says i just really enjoyed it it was it, and the way he said it as well, because he always has mm. a, a delivery. Oh, God, yeah. And this exquisite Californian wine, courtesy of the CIA. Exquisite Californian wine, courtesy oh, of yes. the CIA. He he extended the X, and I just really, I don't yeah. know, there was just something about that line delivery <laughs> that really um, tickled part of my brain. Love that. <laughs> always with Tim. Oh, uh, God. Um, I enjoyed At That Party. There's a moment where Jonathan Price approaches some big shot. I think he's maybe an editor or something, but his wife very quickly briefs him on who Jonathan Price is before he then goes in. And I just love that this is the arrangement that they have. That she—that's the job she has. She has, (laughs) and she's like, she is good at it. She knows who everyone is. (laughs) Is able to just quickly be like, "This is who this guy is," and he's like, "Ah," and he just like without acknowledging the fact the wife clearly just said so. He compliments him on what the wife just told him that he did. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you can if you can get a wife who'll do that for you, you know, yeah. you hold on to that wife. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, I'm just imagining myself at the pub with Craig and just going, this person, um, you know, has a really nice dog. So uh, you might want to bring that up in the conversation. <laughs> but it would be more overt than that. It would just be like, oh, Derek, nice dog. Oh, Derek, it's so nice to see you again. How's the nice dog? <laughs> Oh god, classic. Stun- stunning upper class bullshit. <laughs> well, you know how it is with these parties. Um so my next one was uh no- so Jonathan Price chooses to have no dessert at this restaurant with his publisher. Yeah. But will have a coffee in the Sambuca. Love deeply, that. Deeply deeply fucking chaotic choice. Was that a thing in the 80s? They just go ah, a Sambuca? Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah, like what restaurant do you go to where sambucas are like a logical next choice? Oh, you haven't wanted the dessert, but the sambuca I'll take, yeah, and I'll, I'll light it on fire and everything. It's just like yes, it was. 
It's like, what the fuck is happening in the 80s? Oh Every vice is older than we think. <laughs> in the 80s, they were getting away with that kind of shit. Like, I'm just at a lunch meeting. What the fuck? <laughs> oh, come on now. That's bit, that's as old as the hills. <laughs> it's just a lit that's sambuca. Some, that's some Don Draper bullshit right there. That man. is some Don Draper bullshit. Yeah. That's um, that's the English equivalent. <laughs> oh Jonathan god, is Price. this the British madman? I think, I think this is the be. British madman. Oh, oh no. Fuck. <laughs> that's terrible. I hate that. That's terrible. That's a bad thing. Oh. We should look. We should take a good hard look at ourselves and sort some shit out if if that's the British oh, madman. I feel like if you could show madmen to. Uh, British Tories in the 80s, it might be enough to shake them. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing, lads? Oh, we need to sort our shit out. We need Stop to, we... fucking around. We need to be cool. Um, unfortunately, I can't do posh without it swinging back around to frightening um, on, the, on the side. Person, person in alleyway. Yeah. Oh, it's actually not very good, is it? Just, uh, can't no, do you it. see, you do it too deep. It's just <laughs> too deep, isn't it? Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, fuck. The Ra's, they're never deep. They're always high-pitched oh. and irritating. Hooray! Yes, I need to think more Jack Whitehall. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll study Perfect. the Whitehall. Yeah, you uh, should, and then you'll yeah. get it. <laughs> I've studied Whitehall. I can now present to you. <laughs> <laughs> See, you almost got it already. You barely need to do anything else now. That was after six weeks of placement with Jack Whitehall. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you come out to... in front of a stage and do the most broad possible <laughs> top accent, and everyone's like, "Quite right, quite right." <laughs> Just like the little Marvelous. finger claps, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or the opposite, the Nicole Kidman claps. <laughs> Just load of opera glasses. <laughs> You're gonna have to cut uh, so much out of this episode. <laughs> I'm not cutting a single thing out of this episode. They're getting all of it. Oh, uh... um, a second dynamic actor after Tim Curry, but my Ooh. God, is he not in it much? Um, is Bill Patterson. Now, Bill Patterson oh, yes. plays... Scottish yes, guy. Yes, the, he plays the lecturer. What you need to remember is that all through the late summer, the early autumn of 1956, the Egyptians were running the canal, and that's their canal, by the way, quite efficiently. Ships from all over the world were all passing through quite smoothly because, you see, NASA didn't want to give the West any reason for invading his country. So... By the time the French and the British got round to launching their invasion in early in November, the important economic reasons for doing so were just, well, largely evaporated. The canal was running smoothly, and all that remained, especially for the British, were the much more marginal and the emotional arguments yeah. and of course you know people will know Bill Patterson you go have a look into him he's been in all sorts of the been past in everything, 40 I feel years like. he's been in everything but he's he shows up and it's just like oh uh, first of all Scottish accent and that's very welcome but secondly you know he's talking about Suez and he's laying it out and he's sort of and I immediately because of you know what because of the uh economic economy of story I assume that because this scene is happening immediately after the conversation with Tim Curry that mm. this is part of the ruse that he is now going to pretend to be an out-of-depth socialist kind of guy in order to try and get close to the mum, and that somehow this is a stepping stone. But it's not. It's just a completely irrelevant thing just he's also having to be doing. him doing a bit of research, I guess? Yeah, with some sort of college lecturer, because it's implied, I thought, that the school was a bit beneath him. Yeah. I thought that's what the set dressing and everything was trying to articulate. But anyway. Who's to say? Anyway. <laughs> <sighs> 
this what happens when you get novelists to write a fucking movie. When you get novelists to write a movie and theatre people to direct it, there is a cat here now. And very much like Tim Curry, it's hard to focus on other things. <laughs> That's the Tim Curry of cats. Oh, look at his big green eyes. Yeah, she just gets annoyed if I'm recording or doing anything on the computer. <laughs> That's good cat behaviour. Shouldn't be doing that. She's yeah. looking out for you. How dare you, Helen? <laughs> um, okay, I think it's my... Is it my turn? I think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the next thing I did actually like was them having the conversation about the film within the film because I was like, that's yeah. that's kind of fun film behaviour. I like that. You yeah. don't get it very often. I feel like Woody <laughs> Allen films are the only films that seem to do it that much. <laughs> <laughs> that's true, actually. Although there's a marvellous moment in uh, a new film that's just come out called uh, Fallen Leaves, uh, the new oh, Aki Kurismaki film. And the poster is of the two main characters uh, sat watching a film. No one would ever in a thousand years guess what movie they're watching in that scene. <laughs> Why is it really <laughs> it's, obscure? It's it's just it a weird... Lunch? It's not the... <laughs> no, it's not fucking crazy, but... <laughs> <laughs> they're not mad, God. <laughs> <laughs> it is just a hugely weird choice. Um, yeah, excellent. Love that. Um, I enjoyed Tim Curry getting thrown out of the tennis court. They both, they technically both got thrown out of the squash court, but it was Tim Curry who got thrown out because he was <laughs> sassing. He was, you know, pissing people off. And then the guy comes in and just like slides the tennis court up to his neck as if it were a sword the tennis racket. <laughs> it's the weirdly, the least threatening thing I've ever seen anyone done. And again, so British. It's just like, <laughs> if I'm going to confront you, I'm going to use a racket. <laughs> Not to get anywhere near you. <laughs> Amazing. Yes, my good man. I'm sorry, this is a private conversation. You'll have to wait. Outside. You can't smoke in here. This is a squash court. But we booked it for a smoke, didn't we, James? I'm afraid we haven't taken. Been... Come on out. Look, the court is ours for another half an hour. Run along. I I found it interesting. I don't know if I, I liked it, but it was an interesting character choice that he lied about his parents being dead. Yes, his, it was. Uh, love interest. He was just like, nope, nope, both dead. Bye. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm yeah. not talking about them. There's like an element of like secrecy to that. Like, um, he didn't want to admit his parents were clearly not that posh or whatever. I guess. Yes. You know. I'm curious, or that they were sick, or that he just didn't want to acknowledge them because he does seem to really hate them. <laughs> yeah, he just has no reason to, as far as I can gather. Yeah. He just finds them boring. <laughs> I think. I get that's yeah. the impression I get. Well, they're just um, a part of the identity he doesn't want to be putting across. Yeah, I, it's, it's just an interesting character choice. I quite liked it. I like that. There's a lot to be thought about with that. <laughs> I like the young boy in the house. I didn't get the rea- the uh, relation he has no. uh, I... to them, but there's just a young boy in the house, and he's, uh, yeah, quite hilarious. I enjoyed yeah. him. She's not my mother anyway. My mother's in Italy. Oh, really? Have you come to talk about me? No, not at all. History. What period? 1956, Suez. Do you want to hear my list of English kings and queens? Yeah, sorry. He's a funny little fucker. I wonder if he became an actor after that. Ooh, that that was Daniel Craig. (laughs) I have no idea. (laughs) Could you imagine? Oh my god. First Daniel Craig movie. Um, So I'm going to zoom back a little bit uh, and just say those drinks that they had. With the the green drinks with the cream and the cherry on the top. Oh my god! What the fuck were they? <laughs> uh, that again, was 
The that 80s. never made it out of the 80s, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Heavily legislated against by Tony Blair's government. <laughs> well, I mean, they stopped using all those E-number coloration things, yeah. so maybe that was why. <laughs> that might have been the death of the weird green shit tricks. Um, yeah. At one point, the mother, who's fairly right on in most respects, has this thing about how everybody needs to be keeping their own history. Mm-hmm. History books are first onto the bonfires? No. If we leave the remembering to the historians, the struggle's already lost. Everyone must have a memory. Everyone needs to be a historian. In this country, for example, we are in danger of losing hard-won freedoms by dozing off into a perpetual present. It's a citizen's duty to remember. Yeah, as well, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, no, like it's, like, you know, I found that quite interesting as a concept mm. because I think that that's what they're trying to say with the film, really, isn't it? It's like... yeah. You know, stop making up your own history, basically. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I was thinking about this the other day because it, it comes up a lot in. Um, I saw uh, Priscilla, and it was just you know, there's conversations around there about what happened, what didn't happen, you know, what mm-hmm. obligation cinema has to fact, and it's always an interesting thing because you always have to remember that history books are not written. History books have an agenda as well. Everything yeah. does. But then how do you get around things like Holocaust denial? <laughs> you know, that's not a valid. Like it's not like all views on history are valid. It's just. You have to remember the perspective of the people telling us. I, I feel like with history, because you know, uh, just information for you. I did my uh, degree and masters in ancient history. Um, I just uh, did my BA in history. You know, I I, I feel like most, you know, hi- history is one of those things where you got to watch people because otherwise they'll sneak something in. You know, you got to be paying attention to their sources. Yeah, yeah. Like, if someone's using too many modern sources, they're fucked. If someone's using too many ancient sources, they're fucked. You just, it's it's yeah. like a, it's a whole <laughs> fucking tightrope of bullshit that I did. That's sure. why I didn't do a PhD because I was like, no, fuck this shit. Yeah, fair. No, <laughs> BA was like definitely enough for me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> and with ancient you know, in particular, it's like, who was Herodotus? Who was paying him? What was his audience? You know, that you don't kind know of thing. Shit about Herodotus. <laughs> Turns out, actually, nobody wrote the history of Herodotus. That would have been helpful. <laughs> That would have been useful. I wish Herodotus had done it, but like, well, so here's the thing. I'm going to tell you a load of lies about myself right now, but uh, enjoy the story, I guess. I was at Troy. Yeah. Oh, you know know what? I've just got a massive cock. (laughs) Also that. No one will ever know if it's true, but wink, wink. Um, I I can't wait to see the statues they carve of me. I feel like you could do that as well. If you were like if you knew ahead if you were Herodotus and you knew ahead of time that people are just gonna be reading your shit for like millennia. Um <laughs> you would just be like, Yeah, no, I'm really attractive and I've got a big cock and you know, uh women love me. I mean that's the attitude I bring to this podcast. <laughs> someday, thousands of years from now, they will be combing over this to try and make sense of what happened to British society. Well, I'm the aliens hoping... from AI will come down and try and figure this out. I'm hoping they'll only have audio; they won't have any any visual elements, and they'll be like, "Well, I mean, Helen's clearly deeply attractive because she's so confident." <laughs> <laughs> they were right on the money with that. <laughs> oh, I love the idea of that. Just like a load of aliens coming down, they can only understand the audio of things. Oh, we'd we be have this. Fucking in we have the this money. artist rendering based on their voices of what we think these people may have looked like. And for me, stunning. <laughs> for me, it's Jay Sherman from The Critic, or that episode of The Simpsons where he shows up. It's just a tiny little guy. It's like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, you know, God, we keep getting off track really badly. We so do. Oh my God, let's try and get these done. What was, are we doing? Is that yours or mine? Um, I said mm, per- perpetual present. I drinks with a cherry. Yeah, How did we get on? Oh no, wait, no, no, it was your turn. Perpetual I did present history. Yeah, you your turn. Okay, good. 
Um, I'm gonna again zoom back. Tim Curry in those tiny shorts. That's not a serious one. I'm just gonna put that in there now. I'll do a proper one now. Um, so I I wrote down never trust a rich socialist, and Ooh. I it did come up in the film where they were like, but if you were comfortable, why would you? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I thought that was an interesting conversation because I did wonder to myself when they were talking about it, like if I became rich, would I still be able to call myself a socialist? Interesting. Unless I and what what can you do if you were if you're mm. a rich person and you're a socialist? What do you do? You give up uh, away half your shit or like yeah. what's the what's the what's the rules there? <laughs> Just in case. Well, it's you know curious, I mean? isn't it? Because you also get to this point where you can afford to be a better person. Yeah. You know where you get if you're like a millionaire and you give away half of everything. You know you pay your taxes, but then also give away half of what's left. You know, everyone will be like, oh, they're amazing. And it's like, well, I'm still keeping like millions or hundreds of thousands for myself. Yeah. You know, money that other people would absolutely kill for. But because I'm giving away, you know, all of this, I can afford to be seen as some sort of martyr. I feel like it's a percentage thing, right? It's a percentage. What percentage of your shit you give depends on whether you're a nice person. Exactly. That ought to be the rule. (laughs) But they don't name hospitals, unfortunately, after the person that gives out the largest percentage. (laughs) I could be wrong, but I feel like Marcus Ra- Marcus Rashford is quite good for that. But I I need okay. to look into his information because he gives oh. away a lot of shit. He seems like it. He seems like Everyone, a nice man. Yeah. He seems great. I like. I don't him. know. I'll I'll check into that and get back to you. <laughs> you have a look and update us as to whether or not he's a nice man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, I liked in that conversation that same one as you know that happening. At one point, he's trying to rationalise his own vaguely Tory perspective of just sort of um. You know, it's just that everybody should have the ability to pursue that money if they want to. And everyone just laughs at him. Like, that's yeah. not obviously not going to work, you fucking idiot. <laughs> you fucking fool. Not everyone can be like this. Not everyone can have lovely conversations in a lovely warm house in a, an estate. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I also like, there's a moment earlier on where she praises the thing that he's lied about. Like, he said he's doing this. And he knows it's not true. Yeah. Um, But she's like, oh, it's great that you're doing this. And you can see it kind of bother him a little. Which, which is, is unusual. Unusual, because nothing bothers him. He's an asshole, but... Yeah, it's possible he thinks that's going to get in the way of him shagging her, da- her daughter. So, like, you know, that's possible. <laughs> it, it seems like that's the only thing he, he ever feels any emotion about, is whether yeah. it's going to get into her, like, her daughter's pants. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that, there was a, there's a couple of, like, lines that I really liked. Um, when they're looking... When him and the daughter are looking at the film... Real, um, uh, she says, "Why don't they make propaganda films like that anymore?" And I thought that was quite apt, <laughs> as far as sentences go. I was like, huh, "Interesting, interesting way of phrasing." That. Yes, <laughs> looking at yourself, Ian. Are you giving yourself a little wink? <laughs> Just a macabre. <laughs> yeah. um, I enjoyed the dirge-like chant of Land of Hope and Glory in the Tory conference Just oh, yeah. again, it does give me the impression these guys are on the right side it's just that they're telling such a bleak story but my god, that, that was the least imp- emboldened, passionate or in any way hopeful uh, rendition of Land of Hope and Glory you've ever heard and it's exactly how I think it would be sung at a Tory party conference yeah <laughs> What I find interesting about that is you, you can imagine a Republican conference in America 
the the way they sing the anthem or whatever would <laughs> yeah. be like really jingoistic and like proud and whatever. Yeah. But the Tory Park Conference, they can't even follow their own line of being patriots. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's a pretty fucking rough song to try and make sound hopeful in any way. It is a very dull song. It's, it's, it's not a great song. <laughs> yeah, for being about hope and glory, it's very uh, dour. Yeah, dour is the word. <laughs> I've I've uh, made my pitch for what I think the British national anthem should be because technically we don't actually have one. The um we default to God Save the King, but it's not actually written in in the same way it is for um mm. other countries. So it is up for grabs. Interesting. But my suggestion is a sort of um. And now, please rise for the national anthem of the United Kingdom. For me, that's very London-centric. I just want to tell you that now. You've lived in London too long. I feel like that sums up the position of Britain to the world economy. Can I put one forward? It's, okay. it's, not, it's not by an English band, so this might disqualify it. Okay. You, I, I will tell you, you would be hard-pressed to find any um, patriotic British person who would not immediately sing along to this song. Oh, my God. Okay, I'm worried. Um, the Venger bus is coming. <laughs> You'll not I mean, find a... a single one. There's everyone will sing. That is quite a good like moment in the in the rugby stadium. You know when when uh, Le Marciers has finished and it just kind of fades down. You know, <laughs> de glory, and then it will fades down and then it's just and now the national anthem of the United Kingdom. <laughs> Brilliant. Who could argue with that, really? I mean, you know, you and and people would get up for that one. They don't get up for our national anthem currently. So. Prime Minister just said, "We like to party." <laughs> we like to party. I want to live in that Britain. That's all I want to say. That's the Britain that we all deserve, That's the but Britain not the one that we want to look towards and, and aim at. <laughs> <laughs> do you have Fuck any more because i only have my last uh, one left <laughs> yeah. um oh christ yeah i mean i thought the um the tory party conference was fascinating to me it really. was like i yeah. i mean i would hate to be there myself yes. but i thought using it as a background for for your friend backstabbing you is brilliant. Yes. Like, yes, that's the, that's the obvious place. Well, <laughs> like, exactly. Like, what are you going to fucking object to here? That's yeah. exactly what happens here. Obviously, you're in a Tory party conference. This was going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> fuck each other and fuck each other in both the meanings of that word. <laughs> it's an absolute symbiosis of yeah. orgasmic pleasure and horror. And horror. Pure horror. <laughs> <laughs> there is actually Ken Loach, I think, went and filmed a Tory party conference, potentially before everyone knew who he was. <laughs> but I feel like in the sixties or something he did, because I remember watching some footage of it and a woman said there's been far too much feather bedding. And I without ever having heard that phrase before, I knew exactly what she meant. <laughs> <laughs> it's like God, the the fucking rhetoric has only changed vocabulary, but not intention at all yeah. in the past 50 years. I mean, if you're going to be <sighs> cooked anywhere, you might as well be cooked in front of fucking Margaret That's... Thatcher, I guess. <laughs> a great. I mean, he did say, I-, I read parts of the interview in Sight and Sound with Ian McEwan about this film. 
And they did say that he was trying to pursue the idea of the relationship as an a, a metaphor, an allegory that goes both ways mm. for Britain during Suez, and I guess therefore Argentina. It's yeah. It does. Get... Is Tim Curry? Who's Tim Curry? Then? Yeah, is he America? Tim... He's Argentina, I think. <laughs> is he Argentina? <laughs> no, he might be America. Maybe because should... America just fucking went. No, I'm not going to help you with that. Yeah, much from both of those, right? <laughs> I guess so. so. And I, I guess is um is the girlfriend then is Maggie Gyllenhaal some vague sense of national glory that guess, Price is pursuing? I have no idea. Anyway, she's very horsey looking woman. <laughs> it's an odd, <laughs> an odd choice. <laughs> Factual, I guess. Get, get into it. My favourite moment in this very odd film is the bit where they're at the end of a newscast Mm -hmm. and Price says, well, we made it just in time. Well done, buddy. And he gets up and he's all self-congratulatory and he goes out and starts shaking hands. Pan around and the news crowd who hasn't said anything just starts crying. Yeah. Very interesting. And really, like the fact that Price missed it and was completely oblivious to it and the fact that he's that this guy's doing it. It was quite, it was very affecting. There's a lot, it's it's not entirely clear what it means, but yeah, it was good. I yeah, liked it. Yeah, it was brutal, wasn't it? It was mm. like a moment of like, pure like, oh, these people are fucked. This country is <laughs> fucked. Everything is yep. fucked. It felt like that. It felt like a sort of mini encapsulation of like, well, this is some fucked up shit and we don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that really sums up the plowman's lunch. My God, what a crazy thing we've done. <laughs> Do you know why? I don't know why. <laughs> I'm, you know, you've asked me why, and I told you why, and I still don't quite know why. Still... <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I'll tell you what. I have both forgotten to ask the OG team and to prepare a One Better Thing, so do you have I, such a thing? I thought for One Better Thing, if you could fucking believe this shit. <laughs> oh, no. Not on the political side, but more on the actual, like, his personal story side. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is going to sound like a weird choice. Um, the Graduate. Oh, interesting. Because it's I know that's a coming of age film, and I get that. But he does fuck his fuck someone's mother. So <laughs> true. That is true. <laughs> um, and also there is the tone of melancholy throughout the thing. It's just there's a different era of life. The melancholy for like the Graduate is like you know youth melancholy, whereas the yeah. melancholy for this guy is like mid thirties melancholy. Yeah, you know? yeah, <laughs> just um, disaffection. Yeah, so yeah. I thought I I I got halfway through the film and I was like, yeah, it feels kind of graduate the graduatey because I also That's didn't good. understand that film. <laughs> <laughs> it is a substantially better thing. Oh yeah, I think I, I think, I think I've is, won yeah. that one, right? <laughs> oh god, yeah, that's um, very good. Um, I guess I'd go Brazil just because Jonathan Price class satire. Yeah, but it's fun. There's a bit of joy to but it. There's and a some huge joy. Amount. Of oh yeah yeah oh yeah 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 but there's there's visual joie de vivre you know there's a reason <laughs> for it to exist <laughs> you, you have to use French to say things like that <laughs> you have to. there is a there is a raison d'être it's a je ne sais quoi <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like I do know what but I can't express it so there needs to be a French expression for that I cannot I cannot say je ne I think uh, the, I think you'll find the French expression is eh. yeah <laughs> 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 uh, so yeah i highly recommend brazil terry gilliam's excellent film yes and i think that's gonna do it for us here yeah and the first podcast start as you mean to go on <laughs> of fucking hell 2024 right. <laughs> <laughs> i already know what the next thing felt is gonna be on this podcast and i cannot wait <laughs> I'm concerned for you and your health. <laughs> <laughs> I'm concerned for all of us. 
yes. <laughs> all of us involved in this coming endeavor. Uh, and that should include you, OG team. Uh, Helen, can, where can people find out more about the sort of stuff you're up to? Oh, fucking, they can't find, they, they, you will not find me on the internet besides on <laughs> the uh, eminent, preeminent, eminent podcast. Eminent. Post-eminent. Uh, post-eminent <laughs> podcast. At its time. <laughs> Roll plus heart. Um, very much post-eminent. We've, we've passed our peak now. We're just on the way down. Love it. We're cashing out now. <laughs> uh, it's an actual play podcast yeah. and there's lots of lovely, fun things to enjoy in there. So if you like actual plays and you like my voice, yeah, you do. there's loads of that. There's so loads of it. Fucking why not, mate? Check it out and get involved in the Patreon over there. All good stuff. Yes. Absolutely. And if you want more of this sort of thing, well, there's stuff here at OGT. We're 351 episodes in. God help us. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Go listen to episode 350 if you haven't and tell us what you think of our proposed plans for the future. Mm. Uh, post episode 400 when we eventually get there. Uh, but meanwhile, we've got a crazy year of mad stuff ahead and I cannot wait. Um, yeah, otherwise, this quest fantastic. The sort of uh, role, what was it Goodman calls it? The TTRPG um, thing that we're up to. Uh, so go check that out, and it's very fun, and it's about to enter into its second season, so the whole first season is out there. And there's also Jen and the Film Critic, where you can hear me talk to one of the Role Plus Harters, I forget which Ooh. one, about um, <laughs> about all of the new Answer's not in the name of the podcast or anything, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not. It's uh, J star N and the Film Critic, and that could be anyone. <laughs> could be any fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Paul any fucker. <laughs> I'm Helen Chutney, I guess. I don't know. I couldn't <laughs> think of anything. <laughs> and remember, the one good thing about the plowman's lunch is a man sadly crying to himself as Jonathan Price wanders off in the distance. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs>